0: We're going to be over, and your outline, I believe, has the wrong scripture reference. We're going to be over in Second Chronicles, not First Chronicles. So, in case you are turning and flipping around with us, <laughs> make sure you flip over to the right one, or just watch it up on the screen. And this will be be good. There's a story that's told of a South Sea Islander who proudly displayed his Bible to a GI soldier who was coming through during World War II, and uh, he had received it as a present from a missionary some time before. So the soldier said, "Oh, we've outgrown that." By now, and the, uh, the, the South Sea Islander said to him, Well, it's a good thing we hadn't because if we had outgrown this, you'd be lunch. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> We've been going over a series now for a while Victory for Doubters, how we can become victors even though we doubt. How many of y'all know we know how to doubt? It's hard, it seems harder to believe, but it seems easy to doubt. So we started off the series just looking at the fact that, first off, to believe anything causes doubts in something else. It is impossible to have a belief without also having a doubt. Every belief produces a doubt, and every doubt produces a belief. If you doubted today that these chairs would hold you up, you would have followed the belief and stood up. Every single doubt has a belief And every single belief has a doubt. What we need to learn to do is to doubt the right things. To doubt the things of the world instead of the things of God. Because too often we hear things from the world and we immediately believe it. Doctor says you're going to die. Oh, no. The paper says the economy is going down. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. It's easy for us to believe those things. But it needs to to become easy to believe what the Word of God says. And easy to doubt what the Word says. We've talked to this for years, but what should your response be to any news anchor person who comes on the right, on the TV? I doubt it. I doubt it. If they're saying it, I doubt it. I don't trust any of them. Not a single one. I trust the Bible. Make sure you get what the Bible has to say. Don't mess with those folks. But last uh, last couple of weeks, we have been taking up the... The aspect of this of how to make sure that we are believing with our heart and not our head, because too often we have believed something for so long that we cannot differentiate between the belief in our head from the belief in our heart. And as we saw it after this, you know, the Lord Lord showed us this is the thing we needed to get straight. We need to get this right because too many times we're approaching things in the area of faith, but all we're doing is believing with our head. I know it. I've heard it. I know it's in the Word. Yep, okay. But we haven't moved over to the area of heart. So I told the Lord, Says we need to get this this as clear as we have some of the other things. We know what it is to doubt with our heart. To doubt with your heart means to... You didn't forget already. Speak it with your mouth. If you are speaking it with your mouth, you are doubting with your heart. Just because a thought comes through doesn't mean you doubt it in your heart. Brother Hagin used to tell us just because a bird... Flies around your head doesn't mean it has to make a nest. <laughs> Don't let him be making a nest. Well, last week we looked at one... We looked at uh, be not a forgetful hearer. That Some people are forgetful hearers. And a forgetful hearer is not one who forgets what he heard. A forgetful hearer is one who... Or if you are not a forgetful hearer, you put it in your outline this way. One who is not a forgetful hearer is one who... Continues. A person who is not a forgetful hearer is one who continues. James one twenty five. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does. Continues in it. We need to continue in the thing that we heard. How many of you from the day that you got born again have continued in the knowledge of salvation? How many of you have continued in the knowledge that heaven awaits? that God has gone on and prepared, Jesus has gone on and prepared a place for you. And how many are looking forward to that place? We continue in that, don't we? If anyone comes across and and tells us, no, that's not going to happen. I doubt it. No, I'm going to heaven. We know it. We believe it. A forgetful hearer is not one who didn't hear. This is just review from the before. A forgetful hearer is not one who didn't hear. That's not a forgetful hearer. They made me one who walked in it. A forgetful hearer is one who heard it probably, possibly, could be even one who walked in it. But they did not continue. So we looked into what causes forgetful hearing. First off, difficulty. It's hard. Isn't it hard to walk in the ways of the Word sometimes? Why? Because the enemy comes against us. He comes against us with things to try and get us to, to veer off of the way that we're going with the Word. So difficulty. Difficulty. D- dissuaded. We even gave you the definition of what that meant. To deter by advice or persuasion. Persuade not to do something. The enemy likes to come and dissuade us. So oh, you don't really need to, to do that. Disbelief. I believed it for a while, but now I'm in disbelief about that thing. I don't think that's actually going to change anything. Disregard. I once held that Bible teaching in high regard, now I disregard it. Neglect. Lack of understanding. I didn't understand it right. I tried to apply it the way I understood it, but my understanding was wrong. Failure. I tried that. I'm already doing that, and it's not working. Failure is something that pulls us from, from, uh, from doing with the Word, from continuing. If we don't continue, we are a forgetful hearer. The Bible doesn't have great things about, to say about forgetful hearers. James 1.23, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer... He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he who observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is or was but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless. We talked about making sure that what you have inside you, as far as what he's referring to here as religion, is useful, not useless. Well, there's a lot of other things we could review, or you can just go on back and, and check some of those things out from the, uh, from the past. But here, let's get on over to Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles chapter 24, in verse 1, there are many examples we could use to demonstrate a forgetful hearer. Many. But here's one, and this is just one. This is not the only one. This is not necessarily the best one. This is just one. And there's some things we can learn from it. In 2 Chronicles 24, make sure you make that note in your outline. It's not First Chronicles, it is 2 Chronicles. Joash was seven years old when he became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joshua, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the day, days of Jehoiada the priest. And Joash even owed his life to the priest. He helped him out a great deal. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. So he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Notice this, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. How many of y'all know we often do things that are right in our own sight? We often do things that are right in the sight of other people. But it says here in the word of God that Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He is a doer of the word, isn't he? Now, it says he did a, did the what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Now, it happened after this that Joash set in his heart on repairing the house of the Lord that he gathered the priests and Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. So the king called Jehoiada the chief priest and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from the Judah and from Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord and of the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witnesses? Now, Joash is bringing in Jehoiada, who is the priest who instructed him, who brought him along the way, who encouraged him in the ways of the Lord. And he's telling him, why have you not done this to put to bring the house of the Lord back into repair? Whose idea is it to do this? It is Joash's idea. Is it Jehoiada's idea? It is Joash's idea. It is on his heart to do. Should it be done? Should the house of the Lord be repaired? Oh yeah, it sure should be. Especially if you went back through the chapters before here and saw what had been done to the house of the Lord. You would say, oh boy, we need to just clean that place out. We need to fix that thing up. That's terrible. So it's, this is Joash's idea. This is Joash's command. He's putting out. It is not Jehoiada's. It is Joash's. This is 100% Joash. This part of the story, I think, is put in here so that we can see Jehoiada did not tell him to do this. He saw the disrepair of the temple. And he is so passionate about God that he says, We need to fix this up. And when they don't respond fast enough, he calls them into his office. Hey, what's going on? This is taking way too long. This should not take this long. I told you to do it quickly. You guys are lagging behind on this. Let's get it done. It's important that we know that. Verse 7, For the sons of Athaliah, the wicked woman, had broken into the house of God, and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. You want to use those again? Then at the king's command, they made a chest and set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions and put them into the chest until it all had given. And so it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites. And when they saw that there was much money that the king's scribe and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. So every day they got emptied the chest. Now understand, you know, there's no, no uh, bank transfers, there's no checks, it's all money. The king and Jehoiada gave it to, the, to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord and they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord and also those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of the Lord to its original condition and reinforced it. And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. And they made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Well, Joash, it said, set his heart to repair the temple. Didn't say God said it; said He did, because He saw that this should be done. He saw that something had been done that should not have been done, and He set His heart. I'm gonna. We're gonna fix this up. We need all the people to get together on this, and He set His heart to do it. So they put the chest at the gate, and in verse 15, but Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. Then they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God. And his house. Jehoiada was a good guy. Israel or Judah was blessed to have him in service to God. He was just one of those guys that just seemed to inspire people. He changed the course of things. If you go back on through and you just look at Jehoiada and what he changed, he altered history. But I'll save that for a homework assignment. You can go back through there and take a look at Jehoiada. So burnt offerings are made to God all the days of Jehoiada the priest. I put this in your outline. There are those people who are great influencers of others. There are those people who are great influencers of others. Jehoiada is one of those people. How many can you think that have been great influencers in your life? People who have changed your life in some way. Influenced you in a great way. There are those people who are great influencers. And those who are greatly influenced by others. There are those people who are great influencers of others and those who are greatly influenced by others. Now we see that Jehoiada, the priest when he died, and Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, that sacrifices were made to God all the days of Jehoiada the priest. What does that lead you to believe? They stopped. If we're making all these references all the days of Jehoiada the priest, all the days of Jehoiada, not all the days of Joash, all the days of Jehoiada the priest, then it would seem that somewhere along the way, Joash stopped doing what was right in the sight of God. Stopped making the sacrifices. At some point, he stopped them. But all the days that Jehoiada was there, they continued to go on. So some people would say, well, does that mean that Joash wasn't sincere? How many, have you ever known a Christian? Got saved, got born again, was just on fire for God, doing all kinds of stuff, that God moving with them, God doing stuff, then all of a sudden they stopped following after God? And they went in another direction? And people want to make the accusation, well, they were, it was never genuine. How can you say that? <laughs> if they would have died in that state, would they have gone on to heaven? Probably none of us have any doubt. The only reason they have any doubt is because they altered it and they went a different direction. Well, Joash altered himself. Joash is a good story of the power of good company. It is good to keep good company. It is good to be around people of like mind and like faith. It is good to be around that. Because if you don't, what happens? We start start going backwards. Now, there are some people that have been born on this earth It seems nothing influences them. Some for good and some for bad. I can think of a handful of people in the Bible that nothing seemed to influence. Once they got got to a certain point in their life, they got to a place and nothing seemed to influence them. But it seems from the word of God, those people are rare. They are rare. I'll tell you a few examples and then you can kind of catch on from there and go. Daniel. Anything influence him? He cared less what the rest of y'all are doing. Y'all could jump off a cliff. Y'all could jump in the furnace. Y'all could bow down. He don't care. Do whatever you want. I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. If you like it, come on along with me. If you don't, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> this is it. He he came along and he he did what Daniel was going to do no matter who wanted him to stop. He just kept on going. we're, we're not seeing. He had influence over other people. And helped other people keep their faith and continue on. But Daniel, no one's changing him. We find him by himself a lot, and even when he got neglected towards the end, when the when the king died and he was on another king come on in and they had the handwriting on the wall. Y'all remember the handwriting on the wall story? They had to go and find Daniel. He's over there by himself studying the Bible. Now oh, they don't need me anymore. They don't want me anymore. I'll be over here. I'll just study the Bible. He's not changing. He's not altering who he is. This is who I am. But there are not many folks like that. Most people give in to the influences that are around them. Most people do. Moses was one that you saw gave in to influences around him. But then he hit a a spot in his life and it seemed like no one influenced him negatively away from God anymore. No one. It seems like you can get to that spot, but not many do. Most are influenced. And depending upon the people that we put around us, depends upon the influence that we have. So, Joash, as long as he had Jehoiada around, he was doing the good things. He was doing what was right, right in the sight of the Lord. But it wasn't because it was on Jehoiada's heart. It was because it was on Joash's heart. In a solar system, how many things generate light? Generally, One. There's a couple of systems, I think, that have a two-star system. But most have a one-star system. Most of the time, most solar systems, all the light from them is one star. The moon at nighttime reflects the light so much that we could think it is a light of itself, but it is merely a reflection. But is the light less genuine? The light is genuine light, isn't it? I mean, if you go out at nighttime, the moon is full, it's light. I mean, you can see stuff. But it's a reflection. It's not the, the moon has no light of its own. We may reflect light or we may even get to a place where we can generate the light. The light of God is just is, is like these few people that we can see in the Word of God. Daniel and what Moses became and a few others who it seemed like nothing could darken them. They just kept beaming light. Boy, isn't that a good goal to have, to be one of those? There was a woman who wanted to impress her pastor when uh, he came to visit. His new pastor. He came on over to visit, wanted to touch base with everybody. She wanted to make an impression. So as they're sitting there with the pastor, and the pastor's over here, and she's sitting over there, and her daughter comes in the room and says, she says, uh, daughter, will you go get that book that I love so much? And so she brought in the Sears catalog. <laughs> oh, my Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king and the king listened to them. Therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Understand when it says he listened to them, it isn't that he sat down and heard what they had to say. He did what they said. Isn't that amazing? The people who were leaders in Judah could look at this man Joash and somehow figure out when Jehoiada is out of the picture, I think we have a shot at taking him in another direction. Just by our time, let's just wait. Jehoiada's old. Joash is very young. We'll be able to bring things back to the way they were. So they sat him down and they made an argument for why things needed to go back to the way they were. And this man who had it on his heart to repair the temple, this man who who is passionate about it, raised all kinds of money and put it all towards the temple, didn't didn't build up his own house, didn't do things for himself, put it towards the temple of God. Listened. And it says, They left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Isn't that just amazing? Except how many times do we also know people who were serving God God healed them of things. God gave them revelation. God opened up uh, blessings upon them. God put good stuff in their way. And they're going good and going good and give into to an influence that takes them down a wrong path. And then the Word of God isn't quite as precious to them. And, and then pretty soon the Word of God isn't anything at all. And then pretty soon they're not even going to church. They're doing things you would think they would never have done. How does that happen? How does that happen? You need to stay around people of like faith. You need to stay around people of like faith. If you don't, you will fall off of it. If you believe that praying in the Spirit is a benefit, you better be around people who believe that praying in the Spirit is a benefit or you could be influenced and you'll find yourself not praying in the Spirit as much. If you believe that healing is for today, you better get around people who believe that healing is for today. Because if you don't, you're going to get around people and pretty soon, well, healing is for today. Well, healing is for some people. Well, you know, if God wills it, God wants that. How many of ever asked that question? We haven't even gotten to this section of this whole teaching here, but it's there. How do you know it's God's will? How do you know that God wants this for you? Tell you what, folks. If you allow Satan to challenge you on that, he's got you. How can you be sure? Well, we'll get there eventually. They left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. So the king listened to them. That means he stopped listening to something else, doesn't it? If you're going to listen to this, that means I stop listening to this over here I stop now I want you guys to I'm going to try and you know drive this home for you so that you can understand it how many folks have been born in Philadelphia area and lived lived here most of your time born raised around here all right this is what I'm talking to for for an example imagine born in the Philadelphia area and being a Philadelphia sports team fan fan of the Eagles a fan of the Phillies a fan of the Flyers and moving to Dallas Texas (laughs) I mean, what would happen? Can you imagine the influence that is there around you? All the papers are about the cowboys. All the stores have cowboy shirts and cowboy coats and cowboy cups and cowboy stuff. On the TV are the cowboys. When they talk about the news, they talk about the Cowboys. Everything you see is cowboys, and for a while the fire for the Philadelphia Eagles rides strong. And you subscribe to a Philadelphia newspaper just so you can read the sports section. And you you're looking for influence of that, and you you look for it on the TV. Maybe they'll put the Eagles on the station somewhere, maybe, or you hear the day the Eagles are coming to Dallas. Oh, I get to watch. And so you go to the stadium with your eagles shirt on. And you try to be a beam of light for Philadelphia eagles in a dark place. Can you understand what that's like? Can you understand living in there that after a number of years they can begin to wear on you and and far be it, far be it from the truth, but it might happen that maybe you might become a Dallas fan. One who actually turned the TV on on purpose to watch the Dallas Cowboys play someone else besides the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. And then, no, I'm sure this wouldn't happen to anybody in this room. One day you look and open up your closet, and there is a Dallas Cowboy coat and a Dallas Cow- Cowboy jersey. Oh. And you look, how far have I fallen? Influence. Influence. We think it can never happen to us. But you just don't know that it's happened to other people. It has. He listened to them. He stopped listening to something else. And he ceased to continue in what he heard from Jehoiada. He ceased to continue. What does this make Joash? A forgetful hearer. He is a forgetful hearer. He allowed other things to come in and it's not that he didn't hear, it's not that he didn't know, it's not that he didn't believe, it's not that he didn't understand, it's that he didn't continue. And he went into a different direction. Now if you're Joash, does he think he's wrong? Probably not. Probably not. Just understand this, if you veer off from the truth, more than likely you think you're still in it is why it's so important to be around influence uh, people of influence that will keep you in that verse 19 yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord and they testified against them but they would not listen did God think that Joash Joash following after God was genuine he sent prophets come on back repent from that don't go after the eyes come on back and they didn't listen Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? understand that one. If you transgress the commands of the Lord, you cannot prosper. Which ones is he talking about? (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice if we could pick which ones? Which ones do you to do? All of them. Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He also has forsaken you. So they conspired against Him and at the command of the king, they stoned Him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Let me get you the picture of this. This is like you have been over in Dallas, Texas for a number of years Not only have you bought the jersey and the jacket, you have worn them to Dallas Cowboy Games. And then one day you came home to visit some relatives and Dallas was playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And you wore your Dallas jacket to the stadium and threw your beverage at the guy in front of you because he was cheering for the Eagles. Jehoiada, the priest, the man who mentored Joash, the man who saved him, the man who helped him all his years, his son is killed at the command of Joash. Can you imagine doing that? How far we can get off. The Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God came upon him. And he stood up and he said these things. Why do you transgress the commandment of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? And for this, at the command of the king, They stoned him. So it happened in the spring of the year that the army of Syria came up against him and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people. Isn't that an interesting group to pick? The leaders, the ones who steered the country in the wrong direction. And sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company. But the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers, so they executed judgment against Joash. Now, think about this. If you're Syria, you have a small army. You're going, against, going up against a powerful army in Judah. and that day, it was a powerful army. we got a little small company. What do you want to do today? Well, let's go up to Judah and let's see what we can get. Why would you do that? Why would you, if you have a small company, do you pick a fight with a bigger army? Why would you do it? you got to wonder. That's just not normal. Most people don't think that way, but they did and they won. And when they had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed. So there's a whole lot of people who saw what he did to Jehoiada the priest and they said, we're not happy. We are not happy. And so when they saw this going on, they killed him. So He died. And they buried him in the city of David. But they did not bury him in the tombs of the king. They did not bury him. I mean, this is the guy who was on the path to greatness. He had done great things in Israel. Rebuilt the, the house of God. A number of things he did that were great. But they brought it down. There's a story. I don't know if you're familiar with this story. I know I've heard of it before. I forgot some of the details. There's a little bit of hell spilled out over the world because two people believed in a false prophet. In his brilliant book, Nicholas and Alexandra, Robert K. Massel tells how the Tsar and Empress of Russia were misled by a miracle and this brought their great empire down to dust. After many years of anxious waiting for an heir to, to the Russian throne, Tsar Nicholas II and his German wife, Alexandra were blessed with a son. However, their hopes for the future were cruelly crushed six weeks later when doctors discovered that the infant had hemophilia, an incurable blood disease that could kill at any moment. All of his short life was to be lived in the shadow of terror with death death, stalking every footstep. This tragedy introduced into the royal family one of the most evil men who ever lived. Several times the youngster slipped close to death, seeing him writhe In excruciating pain, his tormented parents would beg doctors to do something, but they were helpless. In those moments, they turned to Gregory Rasputin, a religious mystic of questionable credentials, later known as the Mad Monk of Russia. Invariably, he would pray for the boy and there would be a marked improvement. Even today, doctors are at a loss to explain how these healings took place. But history testifies to them. Always Rasputin would warn the parents the boy would only live as long as they listened to him. Rasputin's power over the royal family became so great he could, with a word, obtain the appointment or dismissal of any government official. He had men appointed or dismissed on the basis of their attitudes toward him rather than their abilities. Consequently, the whole Russian government reeled under the unwise counsel of this evil man. Seeds of revolution were planted and watered with discontent. It erupted in the murder of the royal family, internal war, and the communist takeover. Alexander Kerensky, a key government figure during these trying times, later reflected, without Rasputin, there could have been no Lenin. The influence... Of people. Oh, how we yield things to allow people to influence us. This couple, because of the sickness of their son, gave into something to destroy the entire country. In Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light into darkness and called the light day, and the darkness He called night. So evening and the morning were the first day. We're all familiar with this story? Know it very well. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. We've delved into the creation story and found out that in Genesis chapter 1 is the creation of the world universe and everything in verse 2 it says and the earth was without form and void the actual Hebrew could be rendered was or became and if you go over to Peter's doctrine and Peter's teaching you find out there was a world that was destroyed by a flood and then there was Noah and his flood they are different floods the first flood that destroyed the world that then was as Peter puts it is the flood that we come into here that there is water over the face of the earth and darkness was upon the face of the deep now the Evidence is right there in the scripture. You don't need to go anyplace else because it says, "What is covering the earth? Water. Water only exists in a very small temperature range." By a, by the course of the universe, if it is below thirty-two degrees, it is not water. It is it is ice. If it if it is above two hundred and twenty, whatever it is, it is not water. It's steam, it's gas. The only place you can have water is in that small area in between. You cannot sustain that temperature without a sun. If, this, if the earth was just floating out in there, it would be so cold it would be ice. And the Spirit of God would be hovering above the surface of the ice, not the deep. The other evidence that you know is that the only way that a planet can have water Because how many of you know there's a lot of planets out in our solar system that have no water? Because they don't have enough gravitational pull for some. Whatever they had on on a planet floated off. Some of the moons were that way. If they did have anything, it just floated off. But in order for there to be water on the face of the earth, you need to have heat and you need to have gravity. You need to have the right amount of gravity. So there's gravity. You don't have gravity on this earth without the sun. Gravity is the inner working of our planet rotating and going around the sun. You cannot have the condition of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 without a sun already in place. It is impossible. Say all that for this part. And God said, let there be light. The word for creation is not there. The word for creation in the Hebrew is in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is the only time you're going to see that here until we get up to the spirit of man. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. It is not the word for create. The sun is already in existence. Light is all around the earth. But light is prevented from coming upon the earth because of a curse that God put on it because of the first race of people that were here in the first race of people the entire world was judged by a flood with noah the the, the world was judged again by a flood but not completely no one his family survived the animals survived the trees and the plantation plants survived the fish survived the world that was in existence before continued in existence it didn't stop let there be light the word "therefore" let means let and this, i'm paraphrasing here but let what was going on before go on again. Let there be light. But the word here for be, let there be light. It is from the Hebrew, to become, occur, come to pass, or be. This word is used, used over 3,500 times in the Old Testament. It's a pretty common word. One of those 3,500 times is a very interesting time. It is a time when Moses appears or appears to the burning bush, and he hears a voice from the burning bush. And at the end of the conversation, Moses says to God, the voice, Who shall I say sent me? And he says, I am. And it is the same word. Let there be light. Is there light on the earth? No. It says darkness is on the face of the waters. There's darkness there. And so God comes onto to the place where there's darkness and He says, let there be light. Again, is there light? No. There's darkness. There's a sun, but something is in the way. Something is preventing The light from getting to the earth. But God does not come on the earth and say, Oh, I wish there could be light. I would really like it if there was some light here. What does God say? Let there be light. Let there be light. What does it say then? Let there be light. And it was dark. It was light. Was the light before or after God said, let there be light? After. Because before, it was dark. There's a lesson to be learned here from what God does. Let there be light. There is a course that the earth is on at that point and there is no stopping this course that is on. The course is darkness. It was getting heat, but not light. The course was darkness. Darkness. And God stepped in and said, let there be light. He did not talk about the darkness. He did not talk about what was preventing the light from coming in. He simply said, let there be light. Now, if there were other people around God at the time when they heard that, what do you think they might be saying? But it's dark. But there hasn't been any light for years. Thousands of years, no light. It's been dark. What makes you think that it's going to change now? It was dark yesterday. It was dark the day before. It was dark the day before that. As long as I can remember, it's been dark. It's always dark. What do you mean, let there be light? It's never been light. It's always dark. But what's he say? Let there be light. And there was, when? After he what? After he, Mark 11, 23. And whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass. He shall have whatever he thinks. Says? Says. says? says. He will have whatever He says. So what do we need to be doing? Saying. Sayin'. We need to step in into dark situations and say, let there be light. Now we think about this application for healing. We think about it for our finances and we, and they're all good applications to have. But how many of you work in dark places? What can you say? <laughs> Let there be light. (laughs) And what will happen? Will it continue to be dark? Then why do you act like it? Come on, how many times have we said, oh yeah, let there be light in my place of work. Let there be light. And then we get into the workplace and what do you say? It's always been this way. People have always treated folks like this ever since I've been. It's always been this way. It's never going to change. It's it's always been dark. It's dark yesterday. It's dark the day before that. It was dark last week. It was dark last year. It's been dark a long time. It's been dark. 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 Always dark. Not light. Dark. (laughs) Let there be light. So what do we do after we say let there be light? Word of God says. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and does not. Where? How do you know if you doubt it in your heart? Because you say it. Because you say it. Because you say it. (laughs) Why do you say it? Because I believe it's true. That's why you say it. That's why you doubt in your heart. Because you believe it's true. Well, God, it was dark yesterday. I was here. It was dark the day before. It was dark last week. I've been here, I've been here 30 years and it's been dark every year. Hasn't ever been light. Let there be light. Come on. Let there be light. No light here. Let there be light. What do you need changed in your situation? What do you need changed in your situation? have says to this mountain, be what? Be removed and be? And does not doubt in his heart, but but those things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. How many of you all know Christians out there that be, that will support you 100% to speak about how things are? How many Christians are out there that will tell you to believe that things are different? Jehoiada was a guy who influenced people to believe things can be different. I know how it was under the queen who was here before she's terrible but things can be different you can do different we can make this a better place we can bring the light back in we can do it and as long as he was around the entire nation followed a different path he was not king Joash was and as soon as he goes other men come up and they changed it very often this word is used here be is translated and it came to pass and it came to pass why did it come to pass because something happened what should happen that brings it to pass I speak it I say it what causes it to come to pass I believe it in my heart just because I say it doesn't mean it comes to pass whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says shall come to pass he shall have whatever he says But you see, a lot of us like emotional religion. We like emotional religion, don't we? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm sick. Oh, let me pray for you. Father God, we just pray right now that you just heal this person. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. We go off and we didn't change anything. Is there a single example of anyone in the Word of God praying to God for anyone sick? Is there a single example of anyone in the Word of God, praying to God for anyone who is sick. If you don't know, you need to find out. I know because I've looked at every single one. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, not five times, more times than I can count. I have looked at every single one. And you know how many times they prayed and asked God to heal someone? It's a real easy number to remember. None. None. Not a single time. Not once. But how many of us, first time we see, oh, well, let me pray. Father God, I can catch myself doing that sometimes. You know why? Because I've been influenced. Wrongly. But influenced. What are we supposed to do? Can you do better than what Jesus did? What did Jesus do? Spoke to fevers and they left. Spoke to fevers. Didn't pray to God. Spoke to fevers. Commanded lame people to walk. Commanded blind eyes to see. Deaf ears to hear. Never to ask God. Called dead bodies to come forth. Even when he prayed in the tomb of Lazarus, he doesn't say, Oh, Father God, we need this man to rise up and walk. We need him to come to life. What does he say? God. Father God, I thank you that you hear me always. Mm-hmm. Lazarus, forth. come forth. Folks, if we want to have ex- if we want to have victory, we've got to do it the way they did it in the Bible. You can't come up with your own way. You've got to come up with your own. You've got to come up with what with God's way. You've got to do it his way. What did he say? Stop praying for sick people and command the sickness to go. Well, I'd rather well then go for it. But what's the word of God say to do? Remember Joach, he did what was right in the sight of Mm, That's what we ought to do. What does God do in this situation with light? He calls for a change. If you are in a dark place and you need light, the light of God, what should you do? Call for a change. If there is sickness and you want something else, what should you do? Call for a change. But believe it in your heart. Don't doubt in your heart. Believe. Believe. How do you get that belief? Because you get it from the Word of God same way that you have that belief for salvation, same way you have it for salvation, you have it for all this other stuff. It doesn't come any other different and doesn't come, shouldn't be any other way. The same way that you know in your heart you are saved, the same way you got to know in your heart that you are healed, set free and delivered. And you speak the situations and you change them. You call for a change. When God wanted to call for a change, he spoke to it. He didn't just stop here in Genesis. He didn't just say let there be light and that was it. He spoke to the land. And told it to divide itself from the water. And what happened? The land divided itself from the water. He spoke to things. And they happened. And when Jesus came down here on the earth. He spoke to things. And they happened. And he taught his disciples to do the same thing. Speak to things. And they change. We were listening to somebody this week. I forgot who it was. And they were talking about driving on down the road, driving on down the road and going the wrong way, how many have ever gone, driven on down the road and figured out I am going the wrong way, this is not the way, I don't want to go this way, I want to go that way, but you're going this way, and how many of you, the whole time you're doing that, you're going down there, I don't want to go this, this is the wrong way, I don't want to go this, what are you doing, <laughs> you're going the wrong way, do- you're going that way, that's the way you're going, Until you do, I mean, you can say, I'm going, I don't want to go this way. I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. I want to go. I don't want to do that. You can say that all the time you want to. What's going to happen? (laughs) Nothing. It doesn't happen until you, you got to turn. You got to do something. Turn it. Get out of the way that you were going. Too often, folks, we are talking about what we have. And we're not calling for any kind of change. We got to call for a change. I put this in your outline. You can have what you say if you say what you believe. You can have what you say if you say what you believe. Don't make any difference if you say what you don't believe. Too many times, Christians, we're real careful. I want to say the wrong. I don't want to get somebody offended. You ever walk into a house and well, I don't. I don't know what's what I should say. I don't want to offend anybody, and we're real careful about what we say. We're not free to speak, are we? God wants you to be free to speak and to say what you believe, but your belief should be in His Word and not the other stuff. You can have what you say if you say what you believe. You can say what you have and not change a thing. It's a different way of thinking. The world tells you this is what you have. The world will tell you, but you have this, this is the result, this is where you're going. This is what you have. This, that's it. It's, it's this. But the Word of God says something different, doesn't it? When Jairus came to Jesus and said, My daughter is going to die. And the news came, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Jesus immediately said to him, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Stopped him from saying a word. And they went on in. And they changed it. He called for a change. Go through and look at the words of Jesus. Look at how many times he calls for a change. He doesn't talk about how things are. He calls for a change. He calls for a change. We've got to get to a place where we call for changes. How many of you don't like something that's going on where you're working? Call for a change. How many want a better job? Call for a change. One of the greatest stories I've ever heard on this was by uh, Brother Keith. We watched him on uh, on Wednesday night. Brother Keith shared this story. And I just I forget whether it was in healing school or where he. I think maybe he was traveling around, but it was a wonderful story that demonstrated this point. I went back and found it on a tape so I could listen to it again. When I want to get the details of it right. There was a man who came up the front of the church. And he said, uh, I'm in bondage to cigarettes, and I want to get free. Now, he was real clear when he was telling the story. He said, if you like, to, if you smoke cigarettes and you don't want to be free, then don't be free. But this man wanted to be free. <laughs> he wanted to be free of smoking cigarettes. And so he, he said, you know, I've, I've tried all the gum. I've tried the patches. I've tried all this different stuff, and nothing works. I've thrown out packs and packs and packs of cigarettes just to go out and buy more. He said, I really want to be free. And he says, well, that's great. Let's get you free. And he says, well, I've been prayed for by so many people. It just doesn't work. He says, I'm not going to pray for you at all. You're not? No, I'm not going to pray for you at all. Oh. All right, well, if you want me to say, you know, I'm going to quit. I've done that a whole lot of times. I've I've promised. I'm not going to ask you to quit at all. You're not going to ask me to quit? Nope. You're not going to pray for me? Nope. not going to do it. He says, I'm going to ask you to do something. Well, I'll do it if I can. All oh, you can. It's really easy to do. It's not even hard. All right. If I can do it, I'll do it. And so he said to him this. He said, I want you to do this. Every single time you light up a cigarette, I want you to say this. Thank you, Lord, that I am free from cigarettes. And the man looked at him puzzled. And he says, but I'd be smoking. Yes, right. Yeah. But I'm smoking. Yes. You're smoking every time you light up a cigarette i want you to do this every single time you light up a cigarette you say thank you lord that i am free from cigarettes but i'm still smoking yes you still smoking. just every time you do it all right so he finally got a degree he didn't didn't make sense to him didn't understand it but uh, it was a couple of weeks later that he was back in the area he's he, or uh, somehow he saw the man again and he could tell from his face his face just beamed he not he came up to him and said guess what he said i don't have to guess <laughs> He says, you're free, aren't you? I says I sure am. I, I don't even want to smoke. I said, I didn't understand it. I did just what you said. Every time I lit up a cigarette, I said, thank God I'm free from cigarettes. Every time I lit one up and I'd sit there and smoke the whole cigarette and thank God I'm free from cigarettes. Thank God I'm free from cigarettes. I'm still smoking. He said, then all of a sudden it hit me. I'm free from cigarettes and I didn't want to smoke anymore. I've never wanted to go back. How would that happen? Because he called for a change. He called for a change. Thank God I am free from cigarettes. But you're still going in the wrong direction. <laughs> Thank God I am free from cigarettes. Thank God I am free from whatever it is that you need to be free from. Call for a change. We've gone over this principle many times in the past. But how many times have we... Do, we'll do it in other things... We'll go over to the thermostat when it's hot. How many of y'all know 90 degrees tomorrow? 90 degrees tomorrow. I heard that thought, and it was inspiration for me yesterday because yesterday was the day to open the pool. In the last two years we opened the pool, there was major trouble with the engine, the motor. And I am not a motor guy. I don't fix motors. And so we had to take a non-motor guy and turn him into a motor fixer. I didn't like it. I don't want to know how to fix motors. I don't like motors. I want them to run. When they don't run, I want to buy a new one. I don't want to fix them. I don't like fixing them. I don't have a desire to fix them, but that one I had to fix. I had to get it going. So we got it going. And so the whole thing I'm going up through, all right, I did everything I could to make sure that that motor did not have the same problem that the last couple of years. And you know what? Glory to God, it did not have the same problem that it had the last couple of years. That motor worked, it fired up and started going just fine. It just was purring along. It was going just great but no water was coming into that pump, no water at all, none. So I took the whole thing apart and I put water in there, more water than I did before. I put it all tight tight again and I fired it up and that engine just hummed along like it was supposed to hum along and no water moved from that pool. So I took the engine apart. Remember, I don't like taking motor's apart. I do not, li- do not like taking motor. Took it apart. Only to find out it was working perfectly. Perfectly. Doing exactly what it's supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with that motor at all. Put it all back together again. And then, fired it up again. Nothing. Motor worked fine. No water. So I took the entire filter apart. I took the engine apart. I took everything apart. I checked every single seal. I I filled water, put water in every single spot, and I put it all back together again, and I fired it up again, and guess what? No water. No water. But this time I had filled water in places that I hadn't filled water in places, and so when I shut it all down, the water started to go backwards through the system. And this one piece started leaking water Water just spewing out all over. I said, aha, I know where the problem is. So now I know where the problem is, and so now I know I had to get, and it's this monstrous valve that's in the the back. And uh, so I go over to the pool store because I saw when I was over there that they had them in the back. And so I went on back there. I was ready to go into the back and show him, there it is, I need one. It was the wrong one. It was a two-way, it was not a three-way. I need a three-way valve, and they had a two-way. We call the other stores and see if they have them. They call the other stores. No, they don't have them at the other stores either. So there was another pool store. So I go over to the other pool store, and they had them. Cheaper than the other store had them, and they had it in stock. And so I get it on home, and I get on the back there, and I'm ready to put it all together, and you know what? Because they didn't have any of the fittings at that store, so I had to go over to the Home Depot to get the fittings. Come on back with the fittings, but now I find out that the, you know the little elbows that they make? All elbows are not the same, folks. They are not the same. There are different elbows, and I had the wrong ones. I had the regular elbows, and I needed the compact 90 elbows. Anybody know what I'm talking about with the compact? Some of you guys know. I needed a compact, and they go this way and that way, because this doesn't fit. This and this is smaller, and the pipes are in the ground. They come up to here, and you have this much room. And that's it. So we had to cut out all the other stuff and then once I cut it out I'm looking at this and says how do I get it back together? Because I understand how to do this part but then there's no room to put this pipe here. I don't know how I'm going to have room to put all this stuff together. So it took a while and we wrestled with it and wrestled with it and finally got it all back together and got it all in and then I read the instructions says two hours. Let it wait for two hours before you fire it up. So you know what I did? I waited two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> I gave it extra time. <laughs> I'm making sure this thing is, I've been wrestling with this all day. I was, I was at that point ready to fire up the engine and have the pool go in at 11 a.m. It is now 5. And I had to wait from 5 o'clock until 7.15 to fire up the engines and see if anything actually worked. And glory to God, it all worked. It sucked up the water with no trouble at all. It started moving that filter on around. And so, we got on going and we and I got out, you know, I'm down over here pretty early in the morning so I'm out there by the pump at 3 a.m. in the morning looking at the pump, finding out because, you know, new new filter, put the stuff in, pressure builds up really fast. I was pretty sure the pressure was going to build up and it was going to be too high. I will go back there. Sure enough, it's too high. I says, I can backwash this. I am in a suit out at the pool and I'm going to backwash the thing because I'm trying to get this thing going so that it's all cleaned out and people who want to, on the Memorial Day, 90 degrees, remember the inspiration. So <clears throat> I pull the thing up to backwash the pool and it shoots the water right out the way it's supposed to shoot the water out and then all the stuff's going, but then you got to take the thing and clog it back up again and then open it back up and clog it back up and open it back up and the first time I put it down and I clogged it back up, one of the connections of the many, many times I had taken it apart and put it back together and taken it apart, put it back together, and taken it apart and put it back together was not all the way tight. <laughs> and so it went, Brush! <laughs> and I got chlorinating water all over my soup. It just splashed everywhere. I was wet. It's like, glory to God, that's going to dry and it's not going to leave a mark. <laughs> Why? I called for a change. Because <laughs> chlorine water and suits don't mix. And it was highly chlorinated water because it's a new pool. Highly chlorinated water. It's sprayed out all over. But at that point, I can't fix it. So I still have the pool waiting for me at home. But I got to <laughs> like take it and put that connection back a little, a little up. But you see, you got to call for the change that you want. I sat there with that pool... And I sat there in the motor, and I called for a change. Motor, you will not have the same problem you had last year. You will work fine. You know what? The motor worked perfectly fine. It did not have the same problem it did last year. There's a whole nother area. <laughs> That's a whole nother area. Oh, I'll tell you what, folks, you can have what you say if you believe it. You can have what you say if you believe it. Now, the problem is, folks, that most of us believe something we don't want. And we say it. How many of you all know I do not want a problem with that filter? (laughs) How many of you all know it's real easy to walk around saying, every year this thing gives me trouble? Every year this filter gives me a problem. I just know it. It's going to have a problem this year. Wouldn't that be a normal conversation for people to have? What are we doing? Are we calling for a change? No, we're accepting the status quo. We need to get out there and say, no, you will not be like you were before. You will be different. You will be better. Call for a change. But the world, so what? Are you one of the people who influences the folks around you? Or are you one who influences or is influenced by them? Are you an influencer for the Word of God? Or do people influence you with doubt and unbelief? Get around people believe the word of God Joash when he was around people that believed the word of God folks he was a phenomenal leader wonderful king and would have had a place of honor amongst the kings but then he got around people who didn't believe and instead of a place of honor he's not even buried in the tombs of the kings what kind of a change do you need speak to the mountain call for a change believe it's true Know what the Word of God says about your situation. What does the Word say? How can I change this thing? Because that's what we need to do. You all stand up with me? Father, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you that we can call for a change as you yourself on this earth called for a change of condition. It was once dark, and now it's going to be light. Let there be light. Father, in our situations, we need to call for a change. For some of us, we have financial needs. We need to call a change to. For some of us, it's health conditions. We need to call a change to. For some of us, the work places where we work, we need to call for a change. For some of us, it's our income from our job or the outgo and the bills. For some of us, it's the children that we have influence over, the wisdom that we need in such certain situations. We need to call for a change. Instead of speaking about doubt and unbelief, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, I don't know. Oh. No, we just say, Father God, I thank you that when I need to make a decision, that I will know exactly what to do. We call for a change. A change to the good. A change for the better. A change that lines up with the Word of God. So we'll study your Word and we will know what your Word says. And when our world does not meet what your Word says, we will call for a change. The same way that we walk up to a thermostat, and we say that that thermostat, I want it to be 68 degrees in here, and it's 90. <laughs> but we can call for a change. Father, we thank you that we can call for a change in our life. We do not have to live by what we, with what we are handed. We can call for a change. We can speak that change. We thank you for the help that you give us in Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, glory to God. Be speaking to your situation, speaking to the things that you are facing. And as you do and you see a change, love to hear the testimonies. You encourage other people. You can influence other people and help them in in those things.